Welcome to the ultimate drummer panel. Hi, everyone. Any drummers in the house? Who's a drummer? You know it. Uh, any drummers or people, non-drummers, that use any of these companies, one or more of any of these companies? There we go. Thanks for coming. My name is Elmo Lovano. I am a drummer. Uh, first and foremost, I've drummed with a lot of people. Uh, Christina Perry, Skrillex, just got off tour, Juliette Lewis, Miley, all lots of things. I prefer extreme music, but then I get hired to play non-extreme music. It's okay. Um, I also have a tech startup called Jamcard, which is a private network for the music industry. We're testing all with professionals in LA right now. It's going really well. If you want to hear about more about that, just come hit me up. Um, my other drummer on the panel is Kieran Gandhi, AKA Madam Gandhi. Uh, Kieran drum with MIA, uh, bunch of people. She's my homie. This is actually Kieran's brainchild was this panel. She asked me to moderate, thank you. Talk about you, Kieran. Do you know that this, this day in SF Music Tech history, I mentioned the drummer for Skrillex um, on my panel last year in this very room, and Elmo was in the room, and I didn't know him at the time. And so I was giving a hypothetical example. I was like, well, you know, the drummer for Skrillex could really use this technology. And then someone afterwards was like, well, this is Elmo. He's the drummer for Skrillex. And I was like, oh, my God. I'll tell you how I'll use the technology. Exactly. Yeah, it was a very, uh, very full circle moment. So we're really happy to be on the panel um, together with, uh, with these gentlemen as well. Um, I think, do you want to move to have everyone introduce themselves? Yes. Um, yeah, so we're the drummers. These guys all have amazing companies um, that we use and will be using. Um, we should start with Sam. Cool. Hello, uh, my name is Sam, and I'm the CEO and founder of Melodics. Um, we're making software to help people learn to play musical instruments. Uh, and we're starting with pad drumming. So if you're familiar with Machina, then um, a lot of our customers are using that. Uh, and I have been in, around the industry for a long time. I was the CEO of Serato before this. Um, I spent 10 years there. And um, I saw the rise of products like Machina and Push and launch pad and all these things and everything was coming out with pads on it, DJ controllers and people didn't really know how to play them so I thought I saw um, a need to make software to help people learn to play them. Do you want me to, are we going to like show our stuff now? Yeah, I think intro? it's a good time also so everyone can get familiar. Okay, I'm just going to give you a, a real quick rundown. I have to go over there. Sam. Get better at pad drumming. I think he needs more time. Oh, yeah. Uh, nearly okay. there. Nearly there. He's almost there. <laughs> pad drummers. Were you born good, pad drummers? Or did you practice? Practiced, exactly. <laughs> On pillows. All right. Yeah, yeah. You're so far from me. So close. That's a new song, by the way. <laughs> by Native Instruments. <laughs> All right. Am I coming up? Am I coming up? Yep. 
All right, there I am over there. I'm down here. So what we did is we took uh, some uh, music from some well-known musicians and producers. This is a track by a guy called DJ Jazzy Jeff, you may have heard of. And we've broken it down into kind of its, its sections, its compartments. So it starts off pretty simple. Uh, it's just the kick and the snare pattern. And what we're going to do is kind of get familiar with it. Yeah, all right, that's pretty easy. I can do that. And then it helps you to work on your rhythm in a kind of interface that you'd probably be familiar with from playing a lot of games. Yeah. All right, I got that, I got that. Uh, and then I'm gonna try the same thing over the top of the samples. I can do that one. Maybe, maybe uh, I'll, just play, I'll just work on playing the samples here. And then like it builds right up to the final step where you bring two hands together and you gotta play the drums with one hand, samples with the other, and that's where it gets really, really fun. Rushing. Oh, I was rushing, I was rushing. What's your score? Uh, yeah, no, I can I can do that one. Yes. Thank you. So it's really it's really um, like gamifying practice, and practice is the key part of it. You know, like we our focus is on helping musicians to practice. Everyone agrees that practice is the key, that you need to practice to get better. If you practice, you will. If you sorry, if you do practice, you'll get better. And more importantly, if you don't practice, you won't. I'm just gonna pick this up. So it's, uh, it's a motivational tool as much as anything else. It's all about like doing your five minutes of practice every day and within you know, a little bit of time, you'll be able to get up to Jungle Break volume Fundamentals Volume 1, which goes a little bit something like this. I'm just going to do it with one hand. Uh, sorry, I can't do that at all. But that's, uh, that's grade 10. That's what we work up towards. Thank you. That looks like so much fun. It's like Drum Hero. Exactly. But better. Thank you. But productive. Well, um, and this is, and it's just uh, software. I go online, purchase it. How do I get this? How do I do this? Back to the mic. Yes, it is just software that you can get online. I mean, the people that we are going after really are people who are buying pad controllers and want to learn how to use them. And one of the big things for me is I was like watching all of these products come out, watching the promo videos, and it's like, you can do sidechain compression over here and add tracks, da, da, da. and then it's like, and then you can like switch the kits and do this. I was like, I can't do that. Yeah. And I, that's the part I want to learn, you know, like I, I've had an MPC for, 10 years and I can do four different beats really well, right. but it's really hard to actually build the muscle memory. The, fun, the actual fundamentals of drumming as if you're learning how to play yeah. drums. You have to so start this is beat. like clock up practice, build muscle memory with 
music that's really fun to play from artists that you like. And we license from artists, and it's a subscription service, uh, and we share revenue with the artists. Yeah. So it's a, a way for artists to make money as well, it's awesome. making melodics lessons. And it works with any controller? Any? Yeah, any controller with pads. What controller do you use? Um, uh, yeah, you can use your keyboard. Uh, we have an iPad, an iPhone app, you know, like it's kind of like if, you're, if you don't have a controller, you're on the road. Um, I've got this little kind of generic one that's um, good for traveling. Um, I mean, I've got a whole lot of them, so I'm spoiled. <laughs> you can imagine. But Machina is awesome. It's kind of, I'd say... The Machina layout with the 4x4 four four pads is really smack bang in the middle of our target, what we're going for. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, just to add from Native Instruments, that our customers love it because they see all the videos with people like Jeremy Ellis who are doing crazy stuff and they want to do that as well. So it's really, really cool. Amazing. Thank you. It's awesome. Cool. Uh, Tlakael? Hello. Uh, my name is Tlakael Esparza. I'm co-founder of Sunhouse, uh, the creator of Sensory Percussion, um, along with my brother and sister who are here with me. We're a family-run company based out of Los Angeles and New York. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Sensory Percussion is a new approach to integrating electronic sounds and processes um, into the performance practices of musicians. So Sensory Percussion is, is a, a sensor and really it's software that can track all the nuances of acoustic performance on the drums. Um, so it allows you to wield all the power of the DJ, the producer, um, the person using Ableton or Machina, um, except you're holding drumsticks and you're sitting behind the drums. Um, so as a drummer, I've been a drummer most of my life. Um, I toured professionally, I played with electronic acts, I played indie rock. I used a lot of triggers. I went into the studio. I, you know, realized how hard it was to recreate things you did in the studio live. Um, and so I, you know, this is really personal for me as far as something that I really felt I needed. And I saw the need for um, a lot of other drummers out there as well. Um, so what it really allows you to do is to take the 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 skill of drumming, the art form of the drums, which is this very deeply embedded, very human activity. It's very physical. It's something we've been doing for millennia from the very beginning, um, probably before we were humans. Um, it's this very intuitive physical thing that's tied to the, the creative processes of composition. And so when you're drumming, there's no, there's no real separation between the two. Composition is tied to the physical, and the way you play the drums is very personal and very, uh, it carries your personality. And so when I hear a record of Tony Williams, I can tell it's him immediately without having to, you know, there, there's a lot of personality in that interaction with a physical object. And so what, rather than designing a new instrument or a new interface or, um, you know, uh, kind of a new array of buttons or, or something like that, what we're trying, what we're doing is we're teaching the computer to understand our interfaces. We're teaching the computer to understand how the drums work, both acoustically, but also how drummers interact with drums and how they create music from the very fundamental to how you create an individual sound to the more abstract of how do you deal with phrasing? How do you, you know, how does your time feel? What is your pocket like? How, um, what's your approach to music? And so we're building a foundation to be able to begin to understand that from a computational perspective so that we can serve musicians 
in their creative practices and bridge this gap between, that has arisen between acoustic performance and electronic performance. Um, so um, it's sitting right over here. There you can see these little black things attached to these drums. These are just, this is just a normal drum set we bought yesterday and we put some mesh heads on it so it'd be quieter. Um, and the sensors are, they function like um, phantom powered microphones plugging into an, any normal interface um, and the software is what does the rest. So we're using a lot of advanced DSP, music information retrieval and machine learning in order to be able to take the sound coming from the sensor and figure out what the drummer's doing. And there's a sophisticated software interface that allows the, it's, it's a software interface that's built for drummers, which is unique in that most drumming software is built for non-drummers in order to put drummers out of business. So um, <laughs> this is, uh, um, yeah, so this is unique in that it's built for drummers from the drummer's perspective and it's designed to kind of tap into that power of drumming and to allow drummers to be able to speak again on the main stage. Um, so we have a, a, just a, a, sh a short video of people using it. This is off our, all stuff off our Instagram. So um, I, as you can see, we have a lot of incredible drummers already using it. It's on Herbie Hancock's stage. It's on Chick Corea's stage. It's going to be on Lady Gaga's stage very soon. Um, all of, a lot of my very, very favorite drummers are using it now, people that I idolized in high school. So this is kind of a, it's, it's been very surreal to suddenly be like working with these people. Um, Kieran Gandhi is using it, which is very exciting. Um, and you're going to get to see these two play, em, play it in a, a little later. So thank you. Thank you. Constantine, take it away. All right. Um, so my name is Constantine. I'm the head of marketing for Native Instruments, uh, North and South America. Um, I'm based... That's all right. You got it? Uh, I'm based in our LA office, but the company is originally from Berlin. It's been around for about 20 years, and... It's most known for software in the early days and probably one of those companies that was mentioned in taking away the drummer's job. So um, we created a lot of software for you know, recorded, recorded drums, but in 2009, we introduced Machine, which you can see two incarnations of here on the screen. And Machine was really um, our first kind of foray into group production systems. So some finger drumming, drumming happening already, but it was really meant for producers, um, I think, in the first place, and it was only 
with the introduction of these sensitive pads and the power of, of having it powered by software and having access to kind of all samples in the world and things you want to sample yourself or synthesize sounds as well, that people started to do um, what we all know as finger drumming and there's some really great people that are doing it. And um, I want to introduce David Earl, who is from San Francisco. He's a producer, engineer, composer, and he's actually going to show not only Machina, but also Machina Jam, which is our latest edition, which helps you to sequence what you've made um, right there and then. So, David. Hi, everybody. My name is David Earl. You can call me SF Logic Ninja. I don't care. Uh, I don't know how many of you know SF Logic Ninja, but I really enjoy using Logic. Well, suddenly I get exposed to Machina, and now I'm in a whole new world. So, Machina is this really wonderful system by which I get to play again. We get to do pattern-based sequencing and things like this that got me into electronic music in the first place. So I'm just going to play around a little bit, and then I'm going to explain what's happening here. So that's basically it. Now, sick. It's so sad because I had my own session, but this actually comes with jam when you get it. Uh, this is a, a basic sort of layout that allows you to get playing with it immediately. So what's happening here is basically an arrangement and performance system that's attached to your machina system. Over here on studio, if I hit these groups on studio, they change on jam as well. And one of the coolest things and the biggest difference between the two is that I have access to all of the patterns in all of my groups immediately. In here, we have groups of sounds. And on each group of sound, we have some patterns. And what, what Jam allows you to do is have access to those patterns in real time, to do real time arranging. And you know we've seen this sort of thing before. We also have a pad mode that allows us to still come over here and, well, Oh, hey, look, I turned it all the way down. I'll talk about touch strips in a second, but uh, there we go. You know, you can still play if you want to. And this is like a little version of this. So it's pretty cool that way. You can still have access to the pads. But what I really love about um, Jam is not only the ability to go through all of your different patterns at the same time, but you do have a step mode, which allows you to do this kind of old school step sequencing. So if I hit play, and I'm going to solo out this group so that we only hear it. Thank you. 
if I could just find my kick. But anyway, that allows you to have eight different sounds at once that you can sequence with in step mode. And then a second step mode allows you to have four sounds at once going across the top here. And you choose your pad, and then you're able to sequence using just that pad. And then you have Where's your standard, the one? Then you have your standards at one. I don't like the one, man. Landing on the one. Sorry. Uh, uh, that's so old school, man. Um, so anyway, and then there's a standard sort of step mode where you're allowed to do one at a time. Yeah, I mean, maybe just to say on the step sequence, uh, you know, Machina, the Machina Studio and the other Machina MK2, which is kind of the classic size of an MPC, um, was not the most conducive to step sequencers. And since we have a lot of electronic music producer customers, especially in Europe, that are very used to step sequencing, for them, jam is a godsend because they, they can't keep a rhythm, uh, as well as many other people on this panel. Um, so this is kind of really for arranging. But if you are not so, so good at drumming or finger drumming, then this, this is a better tool maybe for you. And what's funny is I'm actually a way worse step sequencer than I am a finger drummer. So You should show some finger <laughs> Um, so now, when we get down to the performance aspect of things, if I have a pattern going, I can select these effects, like a stutter effect, or I'll do a filter. Why is that not playing? Is my level down again? It is. Look at that. So I turn on my performance effects. And what's cool about that is you can automate that to be a part of your song if you want to. And in your song, you have these things called scenes. And the scenes are basically selections of the patterns that you want to have play. So if I go to this pattern, that's a collection of these. So that scene is a selection of these different patterns. And if I hold down the scenes, it'll go from scene two to scene three to scene four. Now each of these groups has a different effect. Each strip right now, when I hit performance, I'm allowed to select a different performance effect for each group, which is pretty cool. And then when you get into melodic instruments, like, let me uh, shift pad mode. That is not a melodic instrument. I will find it. <laughs> That's mad melodic. Wow, <laughs> sweet. Um. It's actually better you wait for the jam anyway. You can't give it all away in the first, in the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Well, I'm, I'm just about done. But anyway, the touch strips are really neat. You're allowed to have the touch strips be assigned to notes as well so that you can perform those in real time. 
and then uh, yeah, it's really really fun. Check it out. Thank you so much. So Thanks, Dave. So sick. Thank you. Evan. Hi, I'm Evan Adams from Keith McMillan Instruments. Uh, we make new technology for musicians that want to use their computer as an instrument. Um, so computer music has been around for a really long time. Uh, and the original interface was punch cards, I think, probably. So physical interface for making music with a computer has gotten a lot better, but it has lagged significantly behind uh, what computing power has done for synthesis. So our mission is to try and make better physical interfaces that kind of match up with the power of that synthesis. So I'm here today showing BotPad, which I need the audio out to demonstrate. Can you it's a small, portable USB uh, device, um, basically made up of just one big sensor. So we can tell uh, position. Oops, sorry, I got it. Thank you. Go ahead and play a demo video, I guess. <clears throat> no. <laughs> uh, here, let me just see. Am I getting sound here? Can I get a little more level? Okay, so you can hear the pitch changing as I'm changing position on the pad, and then we've divided it into four sections here. Um, and basically, it's it's sensitive enough so you can play with your hands um, or you can play with sticks. I wonder, oh, Kieran, how would you feel about doing a little stick demo for us? Okay. <laughs> don't have to ask her twice. So um, this can respond with the same kind of subtlety and nuance, uh, or a similar kind of subtlety and nuance that an acoustic drum could, but it can also be used for some sort of wacky experimental things. Um, I have a quick video of a friend of ours, a drummer named Will Calhoun uh, with Living Color, who came by our studio recently and did some sound design with us and came up with uh, some pretty wacky, interesting stuff. He approached this, this physical interface in a really interesting way um, that we hadn't seen from other people before, which was, I don't know if some of you are familiar with our Cuneo product. Um, it's uh, 
pad controller, um, but it senses position. He was kind of looking at it this, as this one giant pad um, that he could play over, and he wasn't he wasn't interested as much in replicating traditional instruments. So we can kind of straddle that line with this device, and um, yeah, I think that's uh, this is called the Bop Pad, um, and this is still a prototype. This is a very uh, early stage in the development, but we're just gonna launch into production very soon, and uh, should be available probably around June, sometime in the summer. It's awesome, thank you. Oh, and, oh yeah, on sensory percussion? Yeah. Oh, we have like 30 minutes. We have six hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Trust me, I want to. I want to play. Trust yeah. me, I want to play. Um, that's like all I want to do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kieran, um, how do you? How have these products yeah. helped you to express your creativity yeah, in drumming? Yeah. I am. Um, I have been drumming my whole life, and I used to perform with Thievery Corporation, who's an electronic DJ duo. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to be um, at college at Georgetown in DC, and that's where Thievery's home is. So I got that gig just sitting in regularly when the percussionist couldn't make it. I was the backup. And so then they took me on tour. I got to do Bonnaroo. We did Virgin Mobile Fest. And that really changed my life. And it made my favorite gig playing drums with a DJ or playing drums with electronic music or playing drums um, with any kind of triggering capabilities. The next gig I got was just that. It was with MIA, and her setup we did in 2013 was drums, DJ, and Maya. And I became obsessed with that. But the thing is that after a while, you have your own musical ideas. You have your own expression, your own voice, and there's only so much you can express when you're sitting behind a drum set on somebody else's project. And so the thing is that I had learned a little bit of piano when I was young, but the electronic side and the melodies were not my first instrument. And it was South by Southwest two years ago, one year ago? Two years ago, um, when Tlacayo found me and was like, come try this, this new product that I'm working on. And I started playing it and like already was making songs because half the kit he had mapped to melodic instruments and the other half to percussive instruments. So it <laughs> came very naturally for me to play, um, you know, pitch shifted stuff or someone's voice. You know, you saw in the Drake demo, he's actually playing parts of the song. That part was so intuitive. And to be able to express myself with the physicality of the drums was so inspiring. And it came right around the time that I was working on my own music under Madame Gandhi. And so you'll see, uh, we're playing a show tomorrow at the New Parish in Oakland, if anyone's available, but you see in that show, it's electronics, drums, and, uh, and vocals. And using sensory has been such a game changer in terms of both composition and performance for someone like myself. And that's kind of the, the idea behind this panel this evening was how can we invite as many drummers into the room as possible and show them how to move from being just a drummer to being able to express themselves in other ways uh, as well. And then I have to give some love to Keith McMillan as well because I rock your interface with sensory <laughs> percussion, which is like a dream scenario. She's talking about K-Mix. Oh, and I, my first song, Yellow Sea, was made on a machina. So it's all love on the table. <laughs> <laughs> which, thank God, hardware runs with all of your software back and forth because that makes things easier. But everyone's still... So why do you still make software? You mentioned, Talkail, that like you made it because specifically you were trying to 
you know, make it easier for the drummer. But when you have Ableton and Logic and Pro Tools and all these other platforms, like what is it just to, so you can customize more and go deeper into your instrument? Or what's the point of even making your own software? Uh, well, um, the software is really, it, it serves several purposes. It has all of the, um, it, it, it serves as the bridge from the physical world to the electronic world. Right. And so that's all underneath. That's like all the back end stuff that just allows you to turn this instrument into an expressive con electronic controller. And then on top of that, it's like, okay, now you have this information, what do you do with it? Mm -hmm. What kind of creative tools can you put on top of that information to make it so that you can, you know, just very quickly and easily and intuitively control and compose and perform electronic sounds. So, um, but, you know, but before I got into computers, I did not program until, you know, a couple years ago. Um, I was just a drummer. Um, and I, when I, I started getting really, really inspired by electronic music, and I started pretty much only listening to hip-hop and electronic music, and my favorite drummers were suddenly producers, um, and I started getting very envious. Right, right. And I bought a Ableton Push, and I got Ableton, and I started trying to do this thing, and I found it so right. hard and unintuitive to me, to my process. And I realized that if I want to apply any of my skills, well, basically, I have to stop being a drummer and learn how to do something else. Mm -hmm. And I can take some of the intellectual skills and they can carry over, but th that's like, to me, that was really like, you know, 20% of it, because the, I think behind the drums with the right. sticks, and that's kind of the, the way it works. So it was building software that knew that language, that knew, that could understand that world and could allow you to use, to, to use your own language as a drummer to then enter this new world right. that I very much wanted to enter. So that, the, the software is really kind of the, the crucial point where it's like, it's like, who is it designed for? Who is right. it speaking to? And so um, I think that that has a lot of power in, in what you end up doing it, with it, what kind of music you create, mm -hmm. where it leads you, and uh, you know, uh, what the potential is. Constantine, do you have anything to add? Yeah, to no, that? I think I think that's a that's a really interesting story in the in the sense of you know blurring that those lines between being a performer and becoming more of a producer or writer. I think, which is kind of what we see also with Machina, where people get into it or get inspired by just learning how to finger drum in it, but then they they see that they can do so much more in a production environment, right? Start coming up with songs, starts using synthesizers, use different drum sounds. Obviously, you know, having access to all kinds of classic drum machine kits, some really futuristic stuff, some classic kind of uh, drum kits as well. And then also taking it back onto the stage, which we see with some people that take Machina as like their, their kind of drummer on stage. You see like Fantagram, for example, they, they do it that way. Um, and What's up, Chris? Shout out to Chris. Shout out to Chris. Uh, and you know, it's, a, it's, a really, it's really cool also for, I think, a lot of people to take a Machina on stage because it, yeah. it kind of looks, looks good yeah. for them. I think it's, it's an aspect that's often kind of overlooked because it kind of seems so shallow and superficial, but it just, you know, if you put it, put it up there like that, you can really see the skill. You know, Jeremy Ellis is kind of famous for always putting his machines at an angle so the audience can really see what he's doing and he plays it actually more like a piano that way because he's a piano player. Um, so yeah, I think that line is getting blurred a lot and, and these kind of tools have a lot to do with it, I think, as well. I, I love using Machine Live. Um, do you guys have any plans at all to ever move away and have like as studio gets bigger with uh, the actual brain being inside or having the computer inside in terms of moving away from having to use the computer where I can just send a stereo out 
and not have to have my computer because I would love that. Yeah, you're not the only one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the company is really founded on software, so that's always kind of where the computing power really takes place for us um, as a company you see with our keyboard line with tractor it's the same that it's it's not standalone as such i think what might happen is that we will you know um, include a sound card in some of these devices because especially for producers that's really important but to become truly standalone like what we saw from from keyboards camp with that rumble you know he used kind of a tractor as a software inside of a mixer which is super cool yeah. that's something that a lot of our hardcore users would love um, but they have to go to that rumble now yeah. <laughs> And David, when you were playing, I actually wrote down two questions that I wanted to ask. Sorry if you addressed this already, but are the two machines, the jam and the other one, are they speaking to each other or they speak directly to the computer? Right, so the software runs everything and these are both, yeah. So the software is kind of the brains, it's doing everything and these are basically controllers that are uh, controlling aspects of what you see in the software. Okay. So like if I hit B here, you see it switched the group there. Okay, so they're connected via the computer. Absolutely, yeah, cool. yeah they're both linked in via USB. What's maybe interesting also because we have a lot of people that use machine within DAWs, you know, I think it's it's a very high percentage. So Jam is really cool because it doubles as an Ableton controller. So if you, it has like a really cool template. So if you switch, uh, I don't know what the control is right now, because it's probably changed from how it was in development. But it's really simple. You change it and then you, you can run your instant of machine. And then if you want to go back to transport controls or even sequencing in Ableton, you can do that with uh, with one button. So And that was actually going to be my second question is how would you describe the difference between this and a push, Ableton push. I think it's, Please. yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot, lot of difference on the hardware, like the strips, which, which are a really cool feature and actually a little tidbit of, of the history of the product when, when we, the hardware was done before the software. So we were thinking of what we could do with the touch strips because they were originally conceived as volume and panning, kind of classic kind of mixing tools because the software mixer became more and more prominent in Machina. But then we thought, okay, what else can we do? And we actually came up with these perform effects and tested them with a lot of people. And they really liked them for this, this kind of happy accident writing style. So you kind of have this live element in your production where you, like you saw earlier, do some crazy stuff, but it might just end up sounding really cool and you want to keep it. And then you have it already in, in your song. Yeah. And then obviously the, the difference between Ableton and Machina you know, on the software side is... Yeah, it's quite vast. You know, Machina isn't a DAW. It can't do a lot of things that Ableton can do, um, but it is really also a different product in that it's more for the initial writing of an idea than for the finishing of a track. Um, and that's, you know, why a lot of hip-hop producers, especially in the U.S., love, love Machina. And just on a personal note, when it comes to the push, like the push is a very open environment. You look at it and it's just a blank slate. And with the jam, it's definitely... It's definitely a machina product. Like when you when you look at the at how it's laid out, it's much more intuitive. You know, the things that it does are very specific. Yeah. And I and I personally I like that a lot because I know when I hit pad mode, I'm going to see my instruments, and when I go out, you know. Mm -hmm. So for me, I I just personally like that a lot better. Evan, what would you say is the main use case for the bot pad? Like to me, I see it as like a travel controller, hotel room, I can keep that with me, I can make beats or like express myself more in like an out, out there area, not in the studio even. Um, is that like the main intention for it or? Uh, that's definitely an application, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's super portable, um, you know, really easy to just stick in your backpack. Um, we also envision it sitting next to uh, controllers like this or other mm -hmm. hardware synths right. for maybe a drummer who's interested in doing a more kind of purely electronic kind of setup because it's so responsive and it's 
feels kind of like a practice pad. You know, it's something that you can get a traditional drum feel out of, but uh, it's right at home with, with this other electronic equipment. Right. Um, we've had a few people come in as well, try it out, and say that they want this next to their acoustic kit for, right. for triggering samples and things like that. Um, the hybrid kit is becoming more and more popular, I think, and... Um, yeah, it's it's particularly interesting when you can have something that's uh, you know gonna hold up and is rugged, but is also not an additional weight to your already crazy mm-hmm. setups that you guys travel with all the time. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that thing. <laughs> so uh, you know, I think there's a variety of applications. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, Sam, I can only imagine like being when you're at Serato watching like the explosion of the DJ culture. Uh, I was I was surprised that Serato never made a controller. I don't know. They never did, right? No, no. Yeah. It was always working with other companies. Right. So then you saw the amount of people that were using controllers and thought education was the way. Is that Was that your transition into this? And did you take people, anyone from Serato with you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was briefly off the Serato uh, Christmas card list yeah. for <laughs> <laughs> taking one of the best engineers, but I've worked my way back onto it. So yeah. we're friends now. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just saw this, I saw pads yeah. everywhere, like on all the products that, that we were making with hardware companies um, and on every MIDI keyboard and all these products that were dedicated right. to it. And it became like a really uh, key part of making music, of producing music, performing music. But I always saw people get on them. There were very few people that really knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And lots of people watching videos. It's really hard to learn watching a video, you know, mm-hmm. to actually do it yourself. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it was... It was a, there was a real opening for it. And the people right. who are using melodics are people who do want to be the next Jeremy Ellis and they're right. practicing so that they can perform on stage. But it's also a lot of people who are beat makers or producers and they don't want to just step sequence in their, their arrangements and they don't want to just draw them in with a mouse. They just want to play them. And you see it, you know, like when you watch uh, a producer in the studio who can really do it, they get their ideas down so fast they get there like they, they they think of something and then they just play it right mm-hmm. uh and it sounds different it just sounds so different to something that has been step sequenced because it's got all of that little imperfection the you know push and the pull and everything. Yeah. yeah yeah and um and so there are a lot of people who are using it to understand like the other thing is if you learn step by step how to play a beat you really understand what moving one of those kick drums a little bit back actually does in a way that you don't totally. you don't get to feel even if you know it's like if I put it you know four pixels to the right it sounds like that it's different when you actually learn how to play it mm-hmm. and the, the interface that you have is so intuitive for learning com- complex syncopation and things yeah. like that yeah the, the game culture and things like that that have come up really, really help with that yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is a really, it's a kind of an obvious interface. People are used to it. They've played Guitar Hero or Rock Band. Right. And, you know, like, there's all the other stuff as well, like you've leveled up in stars and awards and badges. But right. that's all to serve a purpose, which is to get you to want to come back every day, do your five minutes, and actually totally. get better. And, you know, we've had a lot of feedback from people who, who have a product like this and they use it and they get a certain way into it and it's, you know, like they may be not able to make the music that they want to make or they might not um, have the techniques or, you know, for whatever reason, there's a lot of 
a lot of motivation required to keep making music and they're like oh, this is great because i can just do five minutes a day i'm making music every day and it's motivated me to get back in the studio and stuff yeah and I, I think that's that's a really important point we strive to like make products that are as intuitive as we can but there's still you know a learning curve with anything like ableton like machina that you that you have to overcome if you really want to get into it and i think the way to get into it through something fun like drums you know there, there's there's a plethora of other things you can do within machine than doing finger drumming but that's that way into it makes it like understand the rhythm, makes you lay down the basis of your track and you have that experience of having learned something and then you maybe dive deeper and, and use a synth on top or, or do something else. So um, I was actually surprised when you started this, Sam, that this wasn't around before. So kudos to you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. It's actually funny coming from the opposite direction as somebody who wasn't a drummer and then lived with a bunch of drummers like we were talking about earlier. And then as you as you progress, you want your stuff to be acceptable to drummers. Right. And so to, to learn by a system like this and, and, and kind of pull the curtain back. And then also, I love the idea of these new controllers as well as being ways that people who have done step sequencing and using these systems, as they branch out and as they learn more and as they watch their favorite producers, they're gonna naturally gravitate towards you know, wanting something that makes them stand out or be different. And you know, it's, it's really exciting. And actually, along those lines, I had one more question. Uh, we'll open up to the audience in a second, and then we'll jam. Um, you know, some of my good friends who are idols of mine in the drumming world, David Elich, Thomas Pridgen, they always have this purist mentality. You know, I'll tell them about the electronics that I'm using, like, nah, like, I don't mess with that stuff. You know, that stuff is lame. You know, they, there's a whole school of thought out there, which is that true instrumentalists don't need electronics. And so I would love to hear your thoughts on, A, how do you kind of combat that mentality? And also, have there been any excellent examples of people really bringing their humanity to the electronic they're making, electronic music they're making? You talked earlier, Takayel, about personality. Um, I'd love to hear that. Uh, sure, I can start on that. Um, well, I think that the reason there's th this kind of purist mentality um, is because all the electronic instruments, the electronic music, um, electronic drumming software has been created for and made by not drummers. And so um, there is a certain, um, <laughs> well, it, it, there's, there's this kind of. Elitism. Uh, uh, well, so there, it, it cuts in a lot of different directions because it, it's like encroaching on, the drummer was the core backbone of the band and they were central to the idea of rhythm in music, and then suddenly there's this whole other way, and suddenly they're not making as much money, suddenly they're not even being heard on records anymore because producers are doing all the drums, a drummer just gets called in to, to recreate what happens on a record live, or has to have all these electronic pads in order to recreate what a producer did in the studio. Suddenly the drummer is not the creative force behind the music, and so there's, there's there's, you know, purism, which I've, I think is actually the case because it's a very physical, fine um, practice of getting very intimate with, a, with an acoustic object. And so suddenly you hit a pad and it has none of the same characteristics that, and it's none of the depth, none of the, the you know, the, the character of an acoustic object. And it's like, well, why would I even do that? Because there's nothing there for me. Um, so there's that, and then there's also the economic side of it. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of different reasons why somebody would be resistant to it. But I think that, um, so, you know, when I started designing this system, my benchmark was, can I get jazz drummers to use this? Because, oh. because the answer they, is yes. 
because I, that's where I came from. That's where I learned my technique. It's where I learned my whole conception of what it means to play the drums and what the drums can do as an instrument. And uh, um, yes, the answer is yes, um, because it, what we've tried to do is maintain that depth of complexity of the acoustic object. And so um, it is as imperfect and as deep as the object you're playing on. And so it really follows your playing because we're following the timbre. So we have drummers like Marcus Gilmore, who's literally the best drummer in the world. He's amazing. Um, he plays with VJR and Chick Corea, and we have Trevor Lawrence Jr. who plays with Herbie Hancock, and we have Kendrick Scott who is now, for the very first time in his career, Kendrick Scott plays with uh, everybody from uh, Robert Glasper to Herbie Hancock to, he, he plays, you know, he's one of the top dudes. He's now, for the first time in his life, doing solo shows because he's using sensor percussion. So I feel very proud about that fact. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah. And um, so we're inspiring drummers to really step out and make music of their own. Um, so that attitude still exists, and it, it, but it doesn't exist in the jazz scene anymore, which is, which is kind of like, that's, though they, for me it was, but they were also the most resistant and the most... Um, the jazz originated from pushing the limits anyways. Yeah, yeah. true, but it, in the 90s and the early 2000s, it became a very kind of enclosed yeah, yeah. Um, kind of... Like, and you know, there's this attitude of like, can you hang? Can you right. actually play this instrument? Do you and electronics doesn't have anything to do with that. Do you remember Bella Fleck and the Flecktones? I, oh, yeah. Absolutely. So oh, yeah. I was working in a music store when I was in my teens, and like they came out with, you know, like UFO Tofu or whatever it was. And they come in, and I'm talking to Future Man, and like that was my first experience going like, oh, wow, this guy's doing something really interesting and different, and he's just owning it. You know, he made it on his own controller and everything else, and just was was not afraid to go out there in that scene because I was this, they were it was it was really nice because banjo jazz like who would think of that anyway so he was given this like he was given this license to go out and use you know electronics and things like that mm -hmm. but um, but you know he was using a proprietary controller with mm -hmm. like you know PZO electric pickups and things like that and the technology was so you know rudimentary that mm -hmm. you know this is really exciting I think the key thing that you said was that it follows the timbre of the drum mm -hmm. that's super exciting yeah. yeah, it's not uh, positional, so you can do, you can have the full access of the corpus of drum technique at your disposal. Because when you hit the drum in a different way, the reason you're doing that is because it creates a different timbre. Mm -hmm. And so by tracking that, we're tracking the full extent. Um, if I just one more point, um, you asked, are there any? Do I see that same kind of personality and musical kind of clarity and like, um, I and precision from the electronic side? And the answer is yes, and that's why I wanted to bridge the two. Because you look at a producer like Nicholas Jar, who's able to take electronic sounds and make them sound real, and, make, and use effects and sequencing and real instruments and combine them in a way that creates these new levels of abstraction in music that, that were completely new and exciting to me. Like that is, that's jazz to me right now. Yeah. And so I wanted to be able to step into that world with him, and so that's really what this was about. It's like that world is extraordinarily exciting because of where you can go with it yeah. conceptually, um, musically, it's completely new. And so I just, I want them to speak to each right. other. Totally. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, that's so amazing. Maybe just to piggyback on that a little bit, uh, yeah. just I think, yeah, to reiterate my point before about the, the physical interface for electronics being so limited compared to what synthesizers can do. I mean, I think there's this concept of like real instruments versus not real instruments that um, has probably always existed, but music technology has always driven new music forever, right? And the, 
probably, I hope there's no harpsichord players in here, probably the reason we don't hear a lot of new harpsichord music, but we hear a lot of piano music is because the harpsichord was a pretty limited interface, right? There's no dynamics. So um, to have this development in, in the physical interface that lets you actually be as expressive as you can be on a, on a regular drum set when it's enhanced electronics or an electronic pad, mm -hmm. um, really lends some weight, makes it seem more real to serious musicians. Yeah, That's awesome, thank you. Uh, any questions from the audience? In the front. Um, I have an 11-year-old daughter who just started playing drums uh, about two months ago, and she just has a practice pad. We're trying to figure out, A, if she's gonna focus and stick with it before we invest in anything major, but what advice would you give a parent buying their kid, their first drumming thing. Doesn't have to be an acoustic kid. It could be an electronic kid. It could be a pad. It could be. I had a stuff. I had a pad when I wanted to drum. My dad was like, "Here's a pad. If you play it every day for a year, you can have a kid." Right. That's our program. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And I did. And I played it way more than he thought. Yeah. And then he got me a kit, and it was like crappy. My dad actually took a very similar <laughs> approach, which is pretty funny. Um, first of all, I, like on a kind of personal level, I really want to say that the role of a father in his daughter's ability to play music is so huge. Because dads are like, you guys go to bat for us. You know, like, you know, she can do it. And that energy is like, is so special. My dad was always like that for me. So it's so amazing you're encouraging her. Um, I, my dad uh, took me for lessons every Saturday. Um, I grew up in New York City, so we'd go to like some janky studio in Times Square. And he was the man, because people would be like, smoking pot outside, and he'd be like, all right, like, I'm going to stand here and watch you do your lesson, and I'll take you back home. And I was 11 years old, so he, he was, uh, you know, for six months, made sure that I was for real about it. And yeah. to this day, I've been playing now for almost 20 years. So, yeah. It's awesome. And uh, Melodics is related, rated PG. <laughs> No explicit lyrics yet. I also, um, I never took lessons on the other side of it, but it was a, obvious to my parents because I would come up from school and go straight to the pad. It's just what I wanted to do. So if she's just passionate about it and she loves it, just let her, just let her go with it, you know? And then as she proves herself, you can get her the next step. When I was 10 and that happened, there were not electronic drums yet. But when I got my electronic kit, 10 years after that or whatever, I fell in love with that. So, and I think for learning, it's cool. I mean, you don't have the touch, exact sensitivity, unless you get her a Sunhouse thing. Talk, check that out by the time she's grown up. And, uh, but V-Drums are awesome. Real Kit's awesome. I mean, I, I think, I, I would say let her choose, you know? Once she's like proven it to you of like, okay, I really want to do this. And it's like, what kind of music? If she wants to do electronic music or whatever, get her electronic kit. She can learn to apply more with that. But if she wants to be more of a traditional drummer, get her a real kit and get yourself some headphones. <laughs> hey, um, and this question is really sort of more towards Evan. Um, I mean, with music technology being where it is, drums don't have to look like drums to be percussion, you know? I mean, you guys have the whole bebop side of your business, so you could put, like, sensors on the tree or on, like, someone, like, a, a football helmet, and you could make drums like that. And I'm wondering why, why, I guess, maybe it's because we have a drummer-heavy panel, obviously, but what... What does the future of percussion look like? Is it more expressive drums, or is it just turning other shit into drums? Yeah, the question is, what, what does the future of drumming look like? Is it just more electronic drums, merging the two, essentially, or what, or what really is that? Um, 
Yeah, take it. Well, I, I can start just explain a little bit. Um, our CEO of our company, Keith McMillan, spun off a, a totally separate company that uses our sensor technology but embeds it into every other conceivable industry. Um, so I think what you're really asking is why are we making something that looks like this when we could be making a pair of pants or gloves or whatever? Yeah. Um, and I think a, a large part of that answer is feel. Um, it has to feel a certain way to be responsive in, in a similar way to an acoustic drum, and it's never going to be exactly the same as a drum head, but I think that if you take a drumstick and hit your pants, you know, it's, drummers aren't necessarily going to love that. Now, having said that, maybe they would, I don't know. Um, you, guys, you guys will have to answer that side of things, but um, I think we're a long way off from, from radically different or totally unfamiliar uh, shapes and forms for, for musical instruments. Um, I think maybe the, the MPC layout pad controller is probably reached a level where it now feels familiar enough to musicians to be adopted. But um, yeah, I think, I think that's, what, 25 years old? I don't know. No, not that far. 20? Yeah. Anyways, takes a while. You know, <laughs> I feel you there. I remember when I took my first piezoelectronic you know, part from Radio Shack and hooked it up to a CV input on an Octopad and I put it inside my clothing and I went out on stage and I was like, boom, you know, and I felt like I was the man. Yeah, I was like, I became Laurie Anderson for a minute and I was like really psyched and it was really bizarre too because it's Laurie Anderson. But, um, but, you know, that's really exciting and maybe, you know, could there be some kind of technology where you have placeable sensors that could just go on anything, you know? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, you know, conceivably. Yeah. <laughs> just we don't have one yet. Yeah, it just makes me wonder if there's like, you know, if there's a market for that. The drum has been around for a very, very, very long time. And I think there's a reason for that. And it's because it has so much expressive potential. It's a membrane that can be manipulated in lots of ways has a rigid, a rigid side that can be hit in other ways, and you can combine the two to create new sounds. So it's this, there's a synergy between the membrane and the rigid part, and it just works very well. And we've been, it's just like, so there's nothing about this object, like our, our technology could work on any acoustic object and track timbre, but the drum is a very, very good object because it has so much range. And so it's because of its range that it has this staying power. Um, and it also, I think, just, you know, it, it doesn't have to look like this. They don't need the shells, but I don't know, I like the way they look. Maybe that's just because I'm a drummer. Um, <laughs> this isn't hooked up for some reason. I think we're going to jam um, for a second because we're almost done here. So we're going to play some, some of these products. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
Thanks for coming, guys. The next panel is at four. Feel free to get more coffee. Thanks for coming.